Now, where did I put those VR goggles? Aha, there they are. Ooh, 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 ooh. Don't forget your raincoat. Welcome to What Is It About the Weather podcast, where we explore the many ways that weather intertwines itself into our lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelanek, and this week, what's in your weather verse? Before we get there, as always, hope your weather world's going well. Snow flurries, yes. Official sightings, little fluffy white things falling from the sky. I guess I didn't test if it was cotton, but since it melted, I'll assume that it's just regular H2O. Had a few of them this morning, not much. Won't be measurable precipitation, I don't think, for me. Yeah, I shouldn't say impossible, but I don't I don't think the New York City area, any place will say that it was measurable snow. But a few places in the north, I saw they were expecting a bit more, and I saw, watch a little television yesterday, some live sports that were some places getting some fluffy stuff. So I know it wasn't just around here. So, you know, impacts to holiday travel season, no doubt. And I actually, for the first time this week, got genuinely cold for the season, was going out to get some dinner, right? And it had been one of those days, again, and I mentioned this before, the apartment set up here, I get a little bit of that greenhouse effect, right? We got a big window on one side and it the window kind of juts out a little bit. So we really do get different times of the year, you know, a lot of angles hit it, but particularly as it's coming down now, even starting early on, we get a lot of sun coming in and it really warms things up on sunny days. So it had been warm inside going out to dinner. And I think I just took for granted one about the wind but two, how quickly that temperature was going to drop once it, the sun went down. But all that ordinarily, you know, if I'd paid attention to what the weather was going on, it wouldn't have been a big deal to me. But since it, the apartment had gotten really warm, I, I just took for granted how warm it was outside. So I went outside and was immediately like, no, probably should have worn another layer. Wasn't too bad, though. Made it for a brick, brisk walk, a brick walk. Yeah, it kind of felt like bricks. A brisk walk to dinner, but it worked out nonetheless. Got my snow. Saw a thing this week about snow maps, and I'll put a link in the show notes. I think it was um, the Weather Channel site. Again, the digital one owned by IBM, not the television one. And they were putting a thing up there about um, when you see snow forecast maps and, and anybody who pays any attention to weather. And this is in most places, I would probably gather. It's probably seen a, a forecast for the week ahead in their area, let's say, that shows the chance of snow. And it's interesting how much prominence these get. You know, you don't see the same with rain or other things, just because they can be so jarring. One is the graphic colors used in snow maps tend to stand out a little bit more than rain. A lot of times, rain maps, they'll have some greens. Now, if it's supposed to be really heavy rain, it might get into the reds and oranges. But with snow, we see these kind of magentas and other you know, some of the blues, and, and, and I'm saying strong blues like cyan, stuff that really a monitor stands out. So they tend to be pretty prominent. And they can be rather jarring and shocking. And as the article points out, always take them with a bit of a grain of salt, right? And even to the person or the organization that puts them out there, they have at times put out maps that probably... Um, make you feel like a big event's coming and it doesn't. Now, I'm not faulting them for that. A lot of things do because there's you know a lot of things that come into play often when you get a big snowstorm or even a moderate one because to get a lot of snow generally, you, you do want things to be closer to freezing, not really deep freeze, not really very cold, just 
the sheer volume of moisture that's going to be in the atmosphere that can snow out. But a lot of times this time of year, all right, you will see these maps and, and again, I'm talking Northern hemisphere here. As we get into the winter season, it's kind of like the first snow, right? It's, it's promising that or suggesting that. And as we've talked about before, you know, in the modern era, we're talking often about what's being thrown out there is a single scenario that's playing out. And it tends to play out. It caught all the worst case scenario, worst case being maybe the wrong words, because I would love it to snow that much. But all the inflection points, it drove it to probably being colder and wetter, right? And that's the whole reason we run these ensemble forecasts is to understand what is possible versus what is probable. And just because it's possible doesn't mean it's going to happen. So you can read the link, but the long and the short of it is that, you know, I knew I had a chance of some snow this weekend and I got a couple flakes. Makes me happy, but I knew it probably wasn't going to be much and it hasn't been. So it was right on in line with where the forecast were, generally speaking. Also saw something, a, a I've mentioned a variety of journals that I read on a regular basis, and these things tend to come out. Yeah, research journals almost always either come out on a monthly or quarterly basis. There are a few exceptions to that, but I have one that I get once a month that is associated with the American Meteorological Society, and it tends to have, because it has more than just journal articles, it tends to have more graphics involved, and I mean like pictures and other things. And there was a picture on the cover of this dude with a backpack and a, a weather station essentially mounted to his back. And I'm not talking just a little handheld thing. I'm talking, you know, real equipment mounted his back. And, and the premise was getting readings down close to the planet under a, like the canopy of trees, let's say, in a forest. And I started thinking about this AMS presentation I have coming up, and, and I may have to use that graphic just to show how hard it used to be to do this stuff. His is obviously going to be more accurate than anything you're going to throw on a car that's these little devices that are better than they used to be, whether they're accurate or not. You know, that's the part that's still to be um, evaluated, let's say. It's more and more of them come out. Any case, a lot of stuff going on for me weather-wise this week. Again, hope you're, if you're in the U.S., hope your Thanksgiving season has gone well. We're now in the push of the holidays. Everybody that's doing shopping, whether you're in the U.S. or not, hopefully you were able to find some deals on Black Friday, and we go into Cyber Monday. It is that season, and of course, we're hearing now about a new strain of COVID. Um, it's sounding kind of contagious, whether it's more dangerous, hopefully not, but I think it's still too early to sell. tell. So, no, it's definitely not selling it. So, clearly we're getting into another interesting holiday season, but hopefully it will prove to be an enjoyable one, and we'll figure out a way to push through all that stuff. All right. In the meantime, let's talk about the weatherverse, or more specifically, the metaverse. And because of, I mean, as an example, everything going on right now with COVID the past couple of years, you can think about wanting to not have to live in the reality that we live in sometimes. It can be because of that. It can be because of politics or the markets or whatever it is. We all have this, I guess point where we go, God, wouldn't it be nice if, right? And I understand that. I think most of us can. Some of us might be a little further to the, hey, this reality world, I've had enough of it. And there have been plenty of movies, and I'm not going to go into all the movies about 
virtual worlds. I like these movies, right? I enjoy the idea of what they're exploring. And that that's any from, you know, just things where you hop into a virtual world or ones like the matrix that suggest we live in these alternate realities, right? That it's not real. But I started thinking about the weather component because this thing's getting big in our everyday lives, right? So you had a pretty large company and by market cap, it's in the top 10 of the world. I know by global revenue, it's it's probably not still a big company. But when you hear about a company as prominent as Facebook, essentially change their name, right? And recognize that their core product is probably not the future. And Facebook, as we know it, they're already seeing, I think, the signs that either it will you know, be what it is, or there's this other stuff that's going to come. And they're, they're making a big play into this thing called the metaverse, right? And making a big shift in their focus. And they're not the only company by any means playing in that space. But let's stop for a minute before we get into the weather connection and just talk about what this thing is. Cause I get a lot of questions about it. Again, being that I'm also a techie person, I do get people ask me what is metaverse essentially, right? Or what does all this stuff mean? Cause you've heard me before even talk about the word meta, but the word metaverse actually came from a book, oddly enough called snow crash snow, uh, you know, back bitten, written by a gentleman named Neil Stevenson. I think never read it, now I'm interested in reading it because apparently he foresaw a lot of stuff that's come into our everyday lives, right? But Snow Crash has to do with, I don't know, it has to do with an old Macintosh computer crashing and what the screen looked like. It, it looks like the Matrix or anything else. Just You can imagine what a fuzzy television screen looks like, all that stuff. That's, that's the premise, right? But it has to do, I think, having not read the book, with when your kind of virtual stream crashes, right, and what you look like in the bit world. But I might be off a little on that. Any case, he uses the word metaverse to describe this place like it's a, a street or a corridor where you go into the virtual world and you buy the stuff and you do all your virtual transactions in this space. But people keep asking me, what's why meta? I get the verse, I get the universe kind of connection. Now, meta can mean a couple of things, and you've heard me describe it in terms of metadata. Now, metadata... So that's one of the ways is it's stuff about itself, if it's the best way to think about it. So it's data about data, right? So metadata is this additional data and in quite often excruciating detail that describes the broader data, right? Maybe you've made some changes or data about, you know, how you got to the results that you got to or, you know, why it looks the way it does, whatever it is. It's more data about the data, metadata, okay? There's also this thing that a metaverse is a, almost like a self-aware thing, all right? So that meta can mean about, you know, being aware of oneself, right? But in in this sense, the metaverse, right? The, it's best probably not to get hung up on the meta term and just recognize that it's this place where there's more stuff going on and it's really about a cyber universe, if you will. I've put a couple links in the show notes so you can read a little bit more about it, right? But in theory, it's just, it's a virtual universe where everything can happen. That's the idea, right? And so there'll be data about data. The 
the situations might be self-aware. It, 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 again, I can see both definitions playing out, and that's why I don't get hung up in it. And until I read that book, I'm not going to get overly hung up on the term and its usage. So that's why I say let's break away and just think of it as a, it's a virtual space, right? But it's a virtual space, ideally, where everything can happen. Now, the way Facebook's presenting it is, you know, you'll have these virtual meetings and you'll put on virtual clothes, but you'll, you'll actually feel like you're interacting with your colleagues, right? And the real question to me is, how much is that going to happen, right? Are you really going to feel like it's a space you go to and it's stepping out of your own real world? Will it feel like that, all right? Now, some of that stuff exists already because we can create these kind of places we go to on computers already. Now, it, not all of it's VR. Sometimes we do it without VR, but there are tools already where people go and they have virtual concerts, as an example. And Fortnite is a game that's played on the internet, but it's also a place where it's a realm where people, and they have, they've had virtual concerts that you go into it and a, a performer can perform and they can literally per, be performing live and you're listening live, and you may be there in this virtual space with your friends hanging out with them when physically you're thousands of miles apart. But the idea is you're in this shared space, yet you don't physically, on, on the plane of the planet, have to be near one another. And your experiences don't have to be physically to your body, right? Exactly what's going on around you, you create this alternate space. But we get back to the same premise, which is how real does it feel? And therefore, how real does your brain really think it is? Because it's one thing to say you're enjoying a live concert, right? And it's something else to say you're enjoying a live concert at a concert hall with people you know and are having fun with them and interacting with them. So when do we bridge that gap? When does it go from being, yeah, I'm hanging out with them virtually, but I know I'm not there to actually feeling like you're there. And again, there's tons of money conceptually in this, and that's why it's a big deal. And while why Facebook cares about it is, you know, let's be clear, it's about making some money on it, right? But they see that as the future. And it got me to thinking, okay, what role does weather play in this thing? Because when I think about weather, it's one of the things that goes on around us. And we've talked about this conceptually before. It's one of the things that goes around us in life that kind of connects us with the broader world around us. And this has to do partly with the fact that it, we, you know, when we step outside, we see this big world. But we know that the weather extends far and away from us, just like the planet does. But what's different about weather than the planet is the weather comes to us, right? The weather makes this transition. So if you've got a friend in point X that's a couple hundred miles away from you, I, I did this. I talked with my brother on Thanksgiving, right? One that lives in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I was talking to him about the weather. And it was giving me an idea of what I could expect over a period of time in the future. Not exactly, of course. But to some extent, and we had that connection, right? But as we know, we experience changes in weather that can be instantaneous. Let's say it go a cold wind comes through, or it goes from not raining to raining. All of a sudden, a sudden downpour, or 
as for me this morning, it went from not snowing to some little white flakes falling out of the sky. So we get these instantaneous changes, but because of where we are in this modern day, now back in the old days, you could go, oh, I can see on the horizon clear skies versus cloudy skies, right? Or seeing a rainbow as, as weather has gone through. But technology gives us the ability to see what's going to be later today or later in the week or even a couple weeks out, or as we've talked about, the season unfolding, right? So we have this connection with the space around us. And I actually think because of this, and this is just me hypothesizing here, that weather is actually key to any successful metaverse. Because I think for us to believe that something is real or has a real feel to it, weather's going to have to be involved. And I'll give you an example in the near term and, and something more meaningful, right? So let's say that, you know, I, I haven't watched all the examples, but I saw a couple of the press coverage of this metaverse launch. And, you know, it shows meetings getting together, you know, people having their little, yeah, and right now it's kind of fake avatars. But in the long run, trust me, it won't be about that. It'll be, you know, you'll be sitting in virtual chairs. I don't know if any of you've watched Westworld or other things. You have all these kind of movies and TV shows that, you know, there's a projection of you and the television show will give you the impression these two people are having a meeting and then one of them just, you know, vanishes because it's a virtual thing. And yes, we've had this in Star Wars and other things, but these newer series are really focused on you not knowing when it's a real person or a real robot even versus something that's far away, right? But let's say you're sitting in a virtual meeting and you're all in a bunch of chairs and you want people to believe that everyone is actually there, right? So what's it going to take? And yes, I do think you can pull some things off where it's in a closed room with no windows, right? And that'll give people a sense that, hey, maybe these other people are there even when they know they're not. But I think if you really want people, if you really want the brain to be fooled, the weather's going to have to be right. There's going to have to be windows in that conference room. And it can't just always be a sunny day. Nuh-uh. That's too easy. The weather's going to have to change. Clouds are going to have to seem real. They're going to have to go by in the sky. A storm's going to have to come through, and it can't be the same every time. Every time you go into that metaverse, you're going to have to have different weather, right? So at first, there's going to be this idea of, as with most things in the metaverse, you're going to be able to theoretically buy whatever you want to buy, you know, live in a nice house and all these. What, what are you willing to pay for those things? And, and, and I would ask, what are you willing to pay for your weather? Because maybe you are able to create your own. It's your own little verse, right? And you create the weather you like. My guess is you'll have to buy it. And the more complex that you want that weather, because coding will be more complex, you'll have to pay extra for it. So will you buy it? But when we get into this true, if the foretelling is true and we start existing in these spaces, even if it's part of the time. And let's say it's not about even the outside experience where you're actually getting wet. Yes, I'm sure in time we'll have things that fake all that too. But let's, again, we get back to this conference room thing. And let's just say it's about the sight and sound, about maybe a storm rolling through and you are inside or you're at a concert or whatever it is, you're, you're somewhere where you've got to give the impression that weather's going on around you, right? So at some point, it's going to have to become large scale, right? It can't just be you localized. It can't just be the individual. It's going to have to be the collective that is experiencing similar things such that they can talk about the weather. 
And then I start getting into the more deep and philosophical questions like, well, who will code that, right? And who will be in charge of it? And will it exist in actual chaos? You know, I talked about that snow forecast early on and how it was a theoretical possibility. Well, to get to that, you had to have multiple potential outcomes, which means there's got to be some level of unpredictability in the system. And then I had to ask myself, will there be weather forecast? Will there even be meteorologist? So could I be a virtual meteorologist issuing weather forecast? I don't know. It's kind of intriguing, right? We got a long way to go with that. But for me, the idea of what will the weather look like look like is more interesting than almost any of the other stuff. I am intrigued about the idea of whether I'll be able to buy the weather I want. I don't like that idea, though. Somehow I don't want that to happen. I want, but, but again, I don't want company A being in charge of the weather. I want it to be beyond their scope, which gets a little bit tricky if it's really their systems that we're paying for. Any case, let me know what you think. Would you pay for weather in your, in your metaverse? What do you think it should be like? What is about the weather at gmail.com? Of course, you can hit me up on Twitter, Mark underscore Jelinek. That's J-E-L-I-N-E-K. Twitter, of course. You can also find what is about the weather on Twitter as well. But just remember, the next time you grab those VR, AR goggles and you head into that alternate realm, don't forget your galoshes or your gloves or your windbreaker, whatever the weather might demand. Because we all know there's much more to weather than the weather itself. <laughs>